Amanda, and this is Not Your Granny's Quilt Show. Welcome to today's episode. I have Belle of Seems So Me. She is a pattern writer. She is an educator. She's a coach for guilds and quilty businesses all over the place. So if you have not heard of Belle, you're probably under a rock. Anyway, she's here to talk to us about all things quilty and what she does for quilters and quilt businesses alike. So let's jump in. Hey, hey, have you been to Patreon today? If you head to patreon.com slash not your granny's quilt show and become a patron, you get a not your granny's quilt show logo sticker sent right to your door. That's not your granny's quilt show Patreon at patreon.com slash not your granny's quilt show. Are you out there representing your support for Not Your Granny's Quilt Show? Well, you could be if you had some merch. If you head to the merch shop, you can find sweatshirts, t-shirts, tote bags, mugs, all sorts of accoutrement, also stickers. And you can get the word out there that you love and support the show. So head to nygqs.printify, P-R-I-N-T-I-F-Y, dot me today to hit the pop-up shop and grab some merch hello my quilty darlings thank you so much for being here if you have not already if you could pop over to apple podcasts and leave a five-star review that would be fantastic as soon as we hit 50 five-star reviews i will be doing a huge giveaway so please stay tuned and get yourself over there to leave a five-star review today thank you Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Belle. How are you? I'm great. And how are you today? I'm pretty good. Well, I'm trying to get acclimated as well. I just finished a big move to Arkansas from Missouri. And so really, this is my first week kind of back to work. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That is a big move. And what took you to, to Arkansas? Well, I'm originally from here, as you can probably tell by my accent. (laughs) Yeah. Lived away from this county for 30 years. So I left uh, when I was 18, went off to college and uh, then moved out of Arkansas at 20. And so uh, my father still lives here. He lives uh, on the property that I grew up on and he's built an Airbnb and he's getting Mm -hmm. older. And so it was just time to come back home and help with that, that, that Airbnb will also be a quilting retreat in the spring, a small one. So it'll be good to be here to help with that. And the cost of living is cheaper. Mm -hmm. So it was just time to be back out of the city where it's very rural here. You can't really see your neighbors. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so it was a, it was a big move. It was uh, three weeks of unpacking. I, I flew a, another quilt pattern designer in from Canada and she spent, four full eight to 10 hour days with me getting all of the studio unpacked and set up or it would not be done. Yeah. I saw that it was mod, right? Yeah. It was mod, the retro quilter. Yeah. We're kind of quilty BFFs since, well, gosh, it's been a little over two years now. Wow. That's amazing. Well, and so lovely of her to, to come there and help you. And that's, it is such a big endeavor. And especially when you've got, you know, a quilt studio is something so different than just moving a bedroom or moving an office. It's like everything, you know, your machines and all your tools and everything has to be treated with such care. So that's like a big. Yeah. And she's, she's really good at, I mean, she's got a small space. So I went from 
an extra bedroom to this is a 700 square foot separate building that is on the property that used to be an old RV garage. Oh. And so my father converted it into a sewing quilting studio slash office because I have another business too. And I do a lot of computer work on Zoom and mm. trainings on Zoom. So that's what this used to be. And Maude is just, she's just good with color and organization and all of that. And I had just unpacked the house and done mm -hmm. all of that. And I just knew I was going to need help because I have some deadlines with both businesses coming up. So I took all of September off to really okay. pretty much get acclimated for the most part. There's a few, like I said, I started, did a couple of trainings this week and the next week I have a couple, but it's mm -hmm. full force again, October one through uh, the end of November. There's quite a bit of travel and training. Okay. So you're, yeah, you kind of have to like reset after something like that too. Cause it's, I mean, you just moved your whole life somewhere else and just readjusting to how things are now and making new yeah. routines. And it's true. It's fun. I yeah. like change. Change is exciting and fun, but uh, I also am older, you know, I'm 48 now and I've moved. Oh goodness. Since I was 18, I probably moved 20 times just mm -hmm. sometimes in the same town, but mm -hmm. I, I love new experiences. And the older I get, the more difficult it is mm -hmm. to move. Yeah. So this should be the last one. Hopefully, right? We'll cross yeah. our fingers. But. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, that's fun that you guys are starting an Airbnb. And I, you know, we have one too. And it's it's honestly so fun. It's it's great to be able to share space with people and give them like a cozy spot to to do their vacation and then mm -hmm. run amok. But well, and it's so much more affordable too than hotels. Mm -hmm. Plus you've got usually an area to cook and just more space. And so, yeah, yeah. it works out well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We yeah. decorated uh, the one that dad has built. I've got quilty yeah. things in there and my okay. business cards. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. It's kind of fun to, to share that with people and share what you do with people. Cause it's just, they're like, they can't help but ask about the quilts. Cause for a lot of them, it's the first time they're seeing something modern. So that's true. Well, and, you know, just to bring new people in the fold, because, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people, I mean, I started three years ago at 45. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, people can start at any age, but if they're not exposed to it in kind of a cool way, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a fun modern, even though our blocks may necessarily not always be modern quilting, people right. think that it's a, you know, an old person's hobby when we mm -hmm. know, you know, it's a, what is it? A five billion dollar industry that so many of us younger ones are doing. So we want to bring new people in and share that, that yeah. legacy. Yep, exactly. And it's, and it doesn't have to be generational. I know for so many people it is, it's like, oh, my grandma did. And then my mom and mm -hmm. then me. And, but you know, for me, that's not the case. Like my mom's grandma taught her to sew, but she wasn't necessarily a quilter. And my mom wasn't a quilter until a couple of years before me, mm. which was, you know, I've only been quilting for six years. So it's like, it's not necessarily like my mom has sewn her whole life, but quilting has been a relatively new kind of endeavor. But now we're like teaching my younger sister and my niece yeah. who's 10, she's like getting really interested in it. So it's like, now we're kind of getting into that kind of generational passing down of, of quilting versus just sewing as a skill. Well, there, and there's so much to it. It's therapeutic. Mm -hmm. It's recreational. It's a great thing for kids to get into, you know, it's mm -hmm. not a, a, a bad habit or, you know, 
watching movies all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, and you give, you know, there's gifts that you give from it. There's just all around. It's just such a positive craft, Mm -hmm. whether it's a hobby or it's a business. Um, Mm -hmm. I say quilting changes the world sometimes. And what I mean by that is that it can change the maker and also the receiver, So we learn so much, you know, the dopamine release that happens therapeutically just as we make things and feel that joy, but then also the joy of giving and seeing um, how people feel when they receive a quilt, you know, if they're going through terminal illness or a divorce or they're sick and to see someone truly touched by a quilt, knowing what goes into it Mm -hmm. to me brings a lot of joy. So yeah, I think it makes people better. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think as a, you know, cause my business outside of the podcast is making quilts for people and long arming. And so getting to have a hand in, in some of that mm-hmm. and, and making people's dreams come to life or, you know, putting a really great pantograph on someone's quilt and giving it a personality and watching their eyes light up when they see their quilt almost almost finished and just ready to be loved is mm-hmm. there's just something about it. And we make a lot of memory quilts, which when we started our Etsy shop for it and started making custom quilts for people, we didn't really realize how many requests we would get for memory or t-shirt quilts. Mm. And I know a lot of people are like, Oh, I won't make t-shirt quilts, but like we've made so many, like <laughs> We're really good at it, but <laughs> <laughs> good for you. But being able to give people that tangible memory so they don't have to keep their loved ones things in a box and tucked away and they can keep it out or keep it in a place where they can have access to it and snuggle with it and, you know, make something meaningful for them in, in the moment of loss or even after the loss happens, you know, years after it's like, we're still bringing that person comfort in a time when they need that. And that is priceless. It really is. And it's, it's interesting. You bring this up. I am a planner Mm -hmm. by nature. And so let me tell you what I did. You probably can't see it, but in the back corner, there is, let's see if I can get it right there. There is a tall, like, it looks like a laundry basket. Mm -hmm. And in there are all of my husband's old t-shirts so I have saved all of them in case something ever happened to him these are ones that he doesn't wear now that he used to wear that like don't fit but they're like you know they're not all stained up all the different Mm -hmm. colors uh, from when we were dating Mm -hmm. and I saved I've saved all of them if in case something ever happened to him, like yeah. I'm prepared to make it, t- <laughs> I've never made a t-shirt quilt, Yeah, but it's like, I know myself well enough that I'm going to need, I know I would need that to snuggle with because mm-hmm. he wouldn't be here anymore. And I know that might sound crazy because no. he's like, you're the worst, you're, you're such the biggest catastrophizer. Like nothing's going to happen to me. I'm like, someday for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I'm prepared now. I've got yeah. to do all the research on how to actually do it because I know there is an art to it. But I've got his shirts just in case. That's good. Well, at least you've started. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it gets it can get overwhelming. I think for people, but just being being a spot where they can send their things and know that they're gonna get something mm-hmm. from it, and it's not gonna just take up space. 
in a box, but it's going to be right. something that used. can be used and loved and, you know, maybe be passed down to mm-hmm. children or grandchildren or something like, you know, we have, we just get a lot of requests and it's just like heartbreaking, but also brings us so much joy to be able to, to do that for people mm-hmm. and have the skills to do it for people. Cause I think sometimes, you know, we've gotten things that's like, well, I started, but I realized how much work it was. So I'm willing to pay somebody else to do it. It's like, okay, we got you. <laughs> right. We'll take care of you. Yeah. So anyway, but, um, so you have a lot of titles under your belt in mm. the quiltiverse. So you said you started at 45. So what got you into quilting and yeah, how did you evolve sure. into where you're at now? Well, so, um, I never knew how to quilt before 45. I, I was a social worker in my twenties and then was the executive director of a couple of nonprofits mm-hmm. in my thirties. And, um, I always worked in the, in the field of the nonprofit field and then also specialized in working in the field with child abuse mm. um, organizations because I got out of the direct line work. And I never really had a hobby during all of that. My life was really more about work and helping kids and all of that. And then that got to be a bit much. And so I got into the the training aspect. So I was a regional trainer for seven years, traveling and working with boards of directors of nonprofits. Uh, working still, still working um, some with child abuse organizations, multidisciplinary teams, mm-hmm. doing team trainings, leadership trainings, all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And when the pandemic hit, everything went to virtual. So I used Zoom some anyway, but when the pandemic hit, everything, we were grounded. There was no flying, yeah. no traveling, any of that. So I was on Zoom eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. And it was a, it was a lot. I had to get a standing desk, you know, mm-hmm. cause I couldn't set that much. And I was like, I'm going to lose my mind. I need to come up with a hobby. Yeah. And I had taught my little stepdaughter. Um, let's see, she was probably about five or six, had a hand. So, okay. And she would make little pillows for her little lovey and mm-hmm. things for her dolls and all of that. And during that time, um, she was really catching on to and enjoying sewing. And we had bought her a little kid sewing machine mm-hmm. and she kind of graduated from that and was ready for a big girl sewing machine. So we found one on Facebook market, met, you know, the, the person in the parking lot kind of thing. Cause we did, couldn't really go in people's houses. Yeah. And I bought this vintage 1967 Janome new home sewing machine. It was in mint condition. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know, I didn't know it was worth about, but we got it for 75 bucks. What? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. This beautiful mint green color. Mm -hmm. So we bought it, but before we bought it, we told her now, if we buy you a good sewing machine, you're going to, we're going to have to, I'm going to have to spend time. We're going to spend time together, go through the manual and show you how to use it properly. So she agreed Mm -hmm. when we got the sewing machine, she didn't want to do that. She, she just didn't want to learn how to use it. So I was like, okay, you're not ready yet. We're just going to keep it here in my office. And you let me know when you're ready to learn how to properly use it. And I'll show you, cause we're not yeah. going to break, we're not going to break this machine now that we know how much it's worth and right you no, know, sew over her finger or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it was in my office during this time. And I was like, you know, maybe I'll learn to sew something. And I was like, well, what am I going to learn to sew? I wasn't really interested in sewing garments. Although mm-hmm. my mother was, a, she sewed her own beautiful business suits and dresses and all of that. But she never taught me. I just 
remember yeah. seeing the machine and the notions in her pretty, you know, clothes. And she sewed me a few things as well. So I thought, well, maybe I'll make a quilt. My, one of my grandmothers quilted, but she never showed me when I would go visit her in the summer, she would put that stuff up. Oh. So I would see the paraphernalia, right? right. The buttons, <laughs> like I've got her button tins back there and I would play yeah. in the buttons and mm -hmm. see the, the quilt, uh, loom on the the quilt hoop on the back porch and it was a covered back porch but I never knew how to do it yeah. so anyway I thought well I'll learn to make a quilt so I got on YouTube and that's where I learned I just watched video wow. video after video and um used that new machine that well new to us machine yeah. to make my first quilt and I was like this is amazing like why didn't I learn how to do this sooner? Like I've right. wasted all of these years. Here I am 45 and I could have been doing this right, right. for a long time. <laughs> and I just fell in love with it. So I started making them one for dad. I made one for, you know, my Jasmine, my stepdaughter. I made mm -hmm. some for friends and then it would make little quilty things, right? Yeah. You know, backpacks and uh, table runners and all of that. And mm. So that's where it all started. And um, I opened a little Etsy shop to sell notions. So I was designing and making my own notions because I, one of my slogans is make lovely things mm -hmm. because I love, I love pretty lovely things to use when I quilt and sew. I yeah. just do. And so I couldn't find straight pins, quilting pins that were pretty, you know, yeah. that weren't just plain. Mm -hmm. So I came up with this design and was making my own and I started selling them on Etsy and it got to be where I made enough just to kind of cover my fabric, which was yeah. good, you know. And then I made alphabet clips because there was nothing out there to label my fabric pieces except mm -hmm. post-it notes and you <laughs> pin them. Yeah. And then the alphabet-y things, the alphabet -y things fall off the stack. So I didn't mm -hmm. like those. So anyway, I went through a prototype and what have you. And um, so I sell number and alphabet clips and I'm getting ready to, to go ahead and have to have those manufactured because I just don't have the time to make the quantity of what's needed, yeah. you know, what people are wanting. So I do actually, I don't sell the pens anymore. Mm -hmm. They take too long to make, but the alphabet clips were such a need and still are in the industry that yeah. I do make and publish those. So that is where the actual business started. Okay. And then that led into, hmm, I wonder if I can design my own patterns and taking a course and all of that. And then, you know, now here we are today. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. And I think it's kind of hard to find, like, because there are so many notions and tools out there, but to find something that you absolutely love, that mm -hmm. looks nice, that works well is like, I mean, honestly, finding a needle in a haystack sometimes, mm -hmm. like I can't tell you how many rulers I've tried or how many different rotary cutters I've tried or how many different, you know, just little mm -hmm. things that's, and some pins that's like, oh, these are cute, but they're too thick or these are cute, but they're too thin. And these are, it's like, right. It's, it's so hard to find those things. So it's, it's kind of, I mean, to me, it's brave that you were just like, I'm going to make my own and yeah, hopefully other like, people yeah. like it too. <laughs> Yeah, they did. They, you know, right now I'm, I was sold out. I've been sold out for four weeks or so during, oh, wow. well, during the move. And I've just made another huge batch, which mm -hmm. I've 
they'll go live today or be enlisted today. People are waiting. They're like, I just subscribe to my newsletter. And when they come back out, you know, they'll, I'll let you know with the, the letters. Mm-hmm. So they're that popular, wow. but you know, I only sell things I love and I use like, if, you know, I'm an ambassador for, um, you know, with some different things like the Oliso iron, you know, I work with mm-hmm. Aliso and things like that. And I'm, I'm going to be a, an arrow sewing ambassador and they oh. have sewing tables and that'll be yeah. official October one. Um, and so there's things that if I love it and use it, then I'll share it. But if yeah. I don't, I'm not going to, right. Because, yeah. you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, credibility and, you know, you got to be excited and really love something. So those notions, you know, especially yeah. the, al- the alphabet clips. Yeah. I love them. I use them and I take them when I teach at quilt shows and guilds and people are like, what is this? And then, you know, so it's handy. Yeah. yeah. And it's so smart. Cause you're right. It's like, and sometimes it's like, you can get pins that on the heads, they have the numbers, but if they only go to 10, it's like, what if my quilt has more rows than that? And that's not including, yeah, all the pieces that you have to cut and the labeling you have to do of the colors and the prints and the different you know, pieces that you're cutting Mm -hmm. to turn into the blocks. It's like, there's so many more steps in the process that require more than just numbered pin heads. (laughs) Yeah, they do. And these are made, so these are made out of antique brass. They're a real dirty, uh, sturdy jumbo clip. So they don't break. Mm -hmm. And then they have, um, with a die cut wood, the actual letter and number. And so they're real sturdy and they'll hold a big stack. So it is, it is an investment. They're not like, cheap plastic or, you know, pins that are going to bend. So there's something that, you know, that'll last you, they're not going to break. So they're going to last for a long time. Yeah. Which is great. Cause I think there is, there can be so much waste in the, the quilty Mm -hmm. world of, you know, fabric and notions and all the things. So well, and I'm in the middle of, of researching to get them manufactured because, you know, I mentioned I, I have another business. I'm a trainer and consultant. So I ended up leaving the organization I was working for and opening mm-hmm. my own business, doing the same work so I could do quilty things half time yeah. and this other business half time. And, you know, to make a living, you, you can't just do one thing, at least at this part of my career. So I need new, yeah. need both businesses. And so I don't have time to make them at the level that I really need to with, you know, the, some of the distributors are interested in them and all that. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of a process to learn, you know, how to have things manufactured and all. Yeah, I'm sure. Cause it's like, if it's not like the thing you do, it's probably like, where do I even start? <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, yeah. My husband has some experience with it because he does have some things manufactured for his business. So he's been helpful in pointing me in the right direction. So anyway, more to come, but until then you kind of have to wait till I put them out there and, mm-hmm. and then snatch them up. And they're usually sold out within about 48 hours. Oh my Lanta. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But that's so cool that the demand is still there. Cause then it just over time has let you know, like, no, this is something people want. And it wasn't just like yeah. a one-time, one sellout. Then it's like, nobody wanted them again. I mean, mm-hmm. now I'm like, well, can you make more? Cause I'm going to need some now. Like, <laughs> Yeah. You can get on my website today and you'll be able to snag you a set. Um, but yeah. yeah, no, it is. And they'll send me, they'll send me messages. I love these, or they'll tag mm-hmm. me in photos of them. And, yeah. you know, it, it feels good when, it's something that they, it was a need. It it filled a need. It fills a need for people, right? It's not just something frivolous. Yeah, absolutely. And, and 
I mean, yeah. And it's one of those things. It's like, I'm a maker. I could make it myself, but it's like when someone else is already doing it and doing it well, then support that person and save yourself time. You know, it's like, yeah, it's one of those things where you have to decide what your priority is in that moment. Mm -hmm. And it's true. I'm a big fan of supporting, supporting small businesses and supporting, you know, same makers. And if it's, if it is something I could make myself, but someone else is doing it, then I'm almost always going to go support a small business to get the thing that's already made because I just, I already can't even have the time to make the stuff I want to make for myself, let alone, you know? Right. Well, and you kind of have to pick your battles. You know, you ask what hats and what roles that I wear. Well, I have two businesses, you know, I'm a stepmom and a wife, and then we've got, you know, the Airbnb that we're helping run with my dad. And then, you know, we now live on three acres, so there's mowing and there's weeding and there's, you know, all of those things. So you just kind of have to pick, you just kind of have to prioritize and and pick, you know, um, what you can focus on. I can't do all of the things that I would love to do. I think in this business, if I could do this full time, which eventually I hope to do that, then I'll be able to, to do some more things that I'd like to do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when you're, when you're the, you know, star of the show and Mm -hmm. running of the behind the scenes and all the other things, it's like, you do have to pick your battles and you do have to balance what you choose to put your energy toward because it's like, as much as I want to just sew my own things all the time and like, you know, make Instagram reels, it's like, I realistically don't have that time. You know, it's like my business doing the work for that is more important and like niching in, I think is Mm -hmm. where, like, that's where I think people find more success is when, and not just because that's when I got more successful as a business, but like just niching in and doing what you do well and focus on that and not try to have so many pokers in the fire. Cause I think sometimes we can overwhelm ourselves as entrepreneurs and be like, Oh, and I can do yeah. that. And oh, and I can do that. And I can do that. And it's like, okay, but what's realistic and what is, what is worthwhile to you and what, what can help you uphold your values as a person, as well as a business owner. And well, and I think that's, uh, it's, I have kind of an interesting perspective on that um, from my own experience is that I think there, there is a period of time that you kind of have to try a lot of things to know what you love. And I'm still, I'm still kind of in that, like I'm, I'm Mm -hmm. heading slowly out of the funnel to niching down, but you Mm -hmm. know, um, just to do only one thing, I'll never be that. And that's just not, that's not for me. Some people only do one thing like really. And and it's just, that doesn't work for me, but I will say I've tried a lot of different things. And so with time, I'm learning, okay, I don't love this, or there's not mm-hmm. enough ROI on this, or this doesn't bring me joy, or this doesn't match with, you know, I have two, two main values I function off of. And so um, it takes time, I think, to really niche down. It can, I think it yep. can take, you know, a number of years. I'm on year three yeah. and feel like I'm getting more clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also have to see what resonates for people. Yeah. Sometimes you don't, what resonates for you may not sell. Right. Right. So, yeah, yeah. I think it takes some time to, to kind of figure that out with, with the whole niching and then how far down do you go? And that's up to you. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I'm with you. And I think, you know, we didn't start really niching in until 
I think it was right around year three. It was when I joined full-time. I quit teaching and, and, you know, then that's when I was kind of able to give the full support that we needed to do the things that we're doing now, which is, you know, yeah, making the the custom quilts and, Mm -hmm. you know, offering embroidery for labels and as quilt elements. And, you know, we thought for sure, like, which we still are going to, but we, we, um, we sell Shannon Minky mm-hmm. on our, on our Etsy site as well. And we love to use it on, you know, quilt backs. And so it was something that we were willing to invest in because we love it so much and we swear by it. So, but that hasn't been the big seller as much as the custom quilts. And so yeah. it was just on a whim, I was like, I think I can make a listing to make this a thing. And my mom was like, okay, let's try it. And it was just like out of the gates immediately. So mm-hmm. popular. and yeah, you have to take of, risks. Yeah. You have to take risks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was, it kind of niched itself for us. Like we didn't really have to, to like try too many things, which we're not mm-hmm. against, like obviously evolving and trying new things and, and finding finding a new path forward if we have to, but it was just crazy. And, and yeah, I think you're right. Like giving things time and figuring out if you even like it still, or if, Mm -hmm. if it is resonating with your, your client base or people that find you. And I think, yeah, I know for me, I'm extroverted by nature. And so I like to be with people. So that's why I enjoy teaching in person. However, I will say, you know, another facet of Seem So Me, my business is I also do training and consulting for Quilt Guild Boards of Directors. Okay. And so I'm learning too that there's a need for some of the work that I do to be available as as like little mini workshops virtually because it's more affordable mm-hmm. for them because they have to pay my travel, you know, yeah. to come in and and all of that. So I'm working on some modules to where, you know, they can have board orientation of roles and responsibilities and, um, you know, things like that. And then some of them I do virtual training with because it can be done here on Zoom with the boards and they don't have to pay my travel. So, you know, even though I love the Mm in-person, that's what I prefer, you know. economically for them. And then, you know, time-wise, it is easier for me to do this stuff here than to drive, drive an hour and a half to the airport, fly, you know, all of that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with the niching down, it's tough because some things take more time physically for me to go somewhere. Yeah. Um, and, but you know, it's, it's just a balance you kind of have to figure out as you go. Yeah, absolutely. And, in someone's niche, like you said, it look it can look like one thing or, you know, for a person like you, it's like a lot of things and that's great. And a lot of modalities for people to access what you have to offer and, but you're doing what you do really well and, and offering it to people in different ways. And I think that is niching, you know, it's like whatever that means for you and your business, it's like, it looks different for everybody. And, mm-hmm. and I think when you find that, you know, you can tell it's like all of your things align, your life will align, your business will align. It's like everything just kind of comes together and, and it looks different for everybody. And I think that's important to recognize too, because you're right. It's not the same. Some things do take time. Some things Mm -hmm. do take trying a million different things. And, 
And just the openness to be willing to go through that experience is the most important piece of it. I think of Mm -hmm. if you're really loving this and really committed to it, then you might have to put in a little extra work sometimes (laughs) and to find those things that, that do resonate and, and ring out into the, the quilty world and bring more people in. And so I love to see it when it's happening because it's like, it feels so good and so meaningful and like, yes, someone else found their stride in all this. And it's yeah, and fun and encouraging. It is. And, you know, I've learned too, sometimes I've been on a few podcasts and some, I think one of the questions that came up one time was, do you deal with imposter syndrome or comparison and all of that? And, you know, I think that that's what holds people back is if you compare yourself with others, I, I, I don't, I mean, I, I tend to look, when I look at others and what they're doing, I either view it as an inspiration of, Hmm, I wonder if that would work. I wonder what that would be like, Yeah, but not in the sense where it paralyzes you. Right. So, mm-hmm. or you feel jealousy or envy or all of those feels that are not good for us inside. Yeah. And so I think it's important to remember to, I have a, you know, this phrase, take what works and leave the rest. So take what works for you, what others do that you may want to try, you know, with how they run their business or Mm -hmm. um, techniques or things like that, but don't try to, to, to do it all. I mean, you want to sample it, but don't try to be someone else, be your own authentic self and, and own that. And that could take a little bit of time, I think, to figure out, Mm -hmm. Um, but just, you know, being your own person and, and uh, not feeling like you have to do exactly what other people are doing because maybe they're having success. Um, you know, yeah. Kind of figure out your own way and see what works for you. Yeah. I do like it was worse in the teaching world, but I definitely do still kind of struggle with imposter syndrome sometimes. And do you? Yeah. And, um, so it is, it can be tricky, but I also like, have such a great support system too. Like my husband is like always a hundred percent in my corner and, you know, I run, we run the business with my parents and usually they're pretty amenable to things I want to try. Cause I'm usually the yeah. one that's pushing, like, we need to try this new thing. And, but does it does sometimes hold me back, especially like, I think starting this podcast was um, brave. That was, was scary. Brave. Oh. Brave. <laughs> you were brave. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, but it's like pushing me to, to challenge those mm-hmm. intrusive thoughts of like, you know, it's like, I go back and forth with people. Like I shouldn't ask them. They'll, they'll never say yes. Like, why would they talk to me versus mm-hmm. when I am feeling in my confident self and stepping into that and being like, mm-hmm. no, cause it's fun. I'm a fun person. Like you are, you know, but yeah not to like toot my own horn. Cause that's weird, but well, let me ask you. So, you know, this is called not your granny's quilt show. Yeah. Where'd you come up with that? And like in your mind, what, what is it you wanted to get out into the world with the theme of the podcast? Yeah. Um, so my friend who started the podcast with me, she and I kind of came up with it as a way to, um, not a way to say, like make a statement, but just kind of be relatable to people that were in our position, other millennial quilters who mm-hmm. were, were wanting to quilt in the modern world. And maybe we didn't have some great experiences with some 
of the quilters in the older generation who really think mm. their their mindset is stuck in a certain way. So it's not necessarily that you have to be a granny to have that mindset, but just that stuck mindset of like not being okay with the modern quilting world and the way that quilting is being approached by some of the younger, newer generation of quilters and designers. And I appreciate that. That's very brave to do. And I think that that speaks to diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I do, I do a lot of training on that. And I told you that I work with guilds mm -hmm. and what you've just brought up happens often in guilds mm -hmm. where when there are older generations and there's not all, so this is not a blanket statement, no. but many that I've been working with and some stories that, you know, end up coming to me and conflict is the quilt police. Mm -hmm. It should be done this way. This modern stuff is just stupid. You know, yeah. all of these types of things. And it's it's unnecessary mm -hmm. and it is not inclusive. No. It is not diverse. And so no. it's I very it's very discouraging and it's not okay. No. It's not okay. You know, as humans, if we have if we're human, like literally human and we're not there to cause harm. You mm -hmm. should be included, whatever, it, yeah. whatever organization yeah. or whatever you should be included. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is a beautiful craft. Mm -hmm. There's no need, in my opinion, of that nonsense to occur where there's clicks and there's making people feel bad. And, and mm -hmm. I've heard stories of people not coming back to guilds, mm -hmm. you know, or even on social media, you see the fusses that happen. So mm -hmm part of my passion with my other business. And I'm so glad, you know, that you asked me to be on this podcast because people need to come together. We all have stories. We all have gifts. We all have talents. Mm -hmm. And when we take the time to spend time with one another, we can appreciate those things, those gifts and yep. talents with one another. And I think that the more of us that uh, bring that to light and show how it can be done. That's part of, you know, what I do when I go in and work with guilds is show how that can be done and be a good example ourselves. Yeah. We can change and overcome those strongly entrenched biases that are unfortunately out there as imperfect humans. Yeah. Yeah. And that honestly is where my heart is coming from in all this. And, and you know, I'm, I'm grateful to people like you who come into guilds and help with that because it is like, I've even on this show talking to so many people in my same, in my same boat of like, I'm tired of being treated. Like I'm an idiot for wanting to do things this way. Mm -hmm. And, and again, just like you said, it's not a blanket statement because there's plenty right. of yep. people out there who are open yes. and willing to welcome whoever wants to quilt into mm -hmm the community. And, but I think there's been so much that just like, just like with anything in any organization with the me too movement and just like all these big things that started coming to light and people stopped, started saying, I'm done allowing this to happen. I think we have to do it for quilting as well, because if we're going to treat people like they're less than because they are different than us, we are no better than anybody else. We are no better. We're not being loving. We're not being kind. We're not being, you know, open and, and that has to stop. 
Well, and it is, it's called, you know, it's junk theory of superiority. So Mm -hmm. all these reasons why people might think they're better than others. And, you know, when you get to the root of it, oftentimes it's because people have a fear of change Mm -hmm. and change can be fabulous. And most of the experiences in my life, change is usually a good thing. And Mm -hmm. what will happen if you look at the, 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 looking ahead, which I'm sure you've done, is if people are not included, made to feel included, there's a difference between telling someone they're including, <laughs> included yeah. and truly knowing and feeling that they are. This legacy mm-hmm. of quilting will dissipate because newer generations will be like, I'm having no part of this nonsense, exactly. right? Yeah, We're going to form our own thing. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that there's value in knowing maybe some of the exact precise things of how it was done back then. Like you can build upon that. You can alter and change. So I think we need both. We need all the generations because there's something beautiful in each of them Mm -hmm. that we can learn from one another. And I just don't want, I don't want this to go away. No. Um, you know, we want our kids to grow up to be able to join a guild or join an online quilting community and mm-hmm. feel included. And yeah. I talk a lot about, I do a lecture at uh, national shows called Building Healthy Quilt Guild. It's a one hour mm-hmm. lecture and I do it virtually too. And there are four tenants uh, with basically what's called psychological safety in, in a guild or in any organization. Mm-hmm. And one is that it is safe to be included mm-hmm. Two, it's safe to learn. So you're not going to be judged, ostracized, made fun of any of that. You can ask questions and not be made to feel stupid. Mm-hmm. Number three is safe to contribute. So you have ideas, things you want to show others, help others with rather than just being the learner. Right. Mm-hmm. And then lastly is challenger safety. And that is when you have so much safety in your guilds, your business organization, even in your family, that you can challenge the status quo in a palatable professional way to create innovation. So that's pushing back sometimes with, you know, we've only done it this way. What do you think about we support these other philanthropies or we try making uh, this class for children, or Mm -hmm. we make this block a different way. I want to challenge and push back on that. And because typically when you challenge and push back in these settings, there can be backlash, Mm -hmm. right? People bristle, people start talking about you, there's slander, Mm -hmm. uh, you don't feel comfortable anymore. But true challenger safety is when you can openly listen to someone's ideas and be open to those possibilities, possibly Mm -hmm. use them or If you decide you don't want to, you can kind of explain why this might not work, but in a loving, kind way. And then nobody's got their, as we say in Arkansas, no one has their britches in a knot, (laughs) you know, because you've brought up this new way of doing it. So those are the four tenets of what any business, any family, any guild needs. And so I do a lot of that in my other business, but I brought it over into the Quiltiverse because I saw... No, no, this is too fun and beautiful of a hobby. And, you know, how can I help and make a difference yeah. so we can can get away from some of that? Yeah. Oh, I love that so much because I that is 
it is my, my pillar, you know, to, mm-hmm. to create a space where people can feel like they're heard and like they're understood and mm-hmm. that maybe if we don't have the same views, but they're still safe to express it here and yeah. with me and around me. Cause I don't ever want to make anybody feel like they're not worthy of being in my presence. If that makes sense. Like, yeah, it I don't does want make- I don't want anybody to feel like I think that way. Cause I certainly do not, you know, it's sure. I think, you know, growing up kind of in a religious, um, kind of with a religious background helped me see how ugly that mm-hmm. can be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, but also how beautiful it can be when you do it right. And so um, that's definitely where some of that comes from too. And, and, you know, I love that. I love that there's just, there's a lot of us out there who want to see, want, we want to see quilting continue and we want to find a way to harmoniously marry all the generations of learning and growing and tradition and skills Mm -hmm. together so that we can keep it alive and do it in a way that, brings us together instead of pushes us away from each other. You know, it's true. It's, it's, you know, it's interesting. You brought that up. I also um, very much appreciate scripture and try to apply those principles in my life. And regardless of what listeners beliefs are with a higher power or religion Mm -hmm. or what have you, um, those, those principles, those scriptural principles always work when it comes to being kind and loving and inclusive Mm -hmm. uh, and non-judgmental, all of those things. I've never seen them not work when we apply them. So whether people naturally just not for scriptural reasons or religious reasons do those things, or it is because of those, they work, right? Regardless of your beliefs, those values really, really work. And and they make the world a better place when we all try. We're not perfect, but when we really try to show those, those qualities and characteristics in the world, it it's, there's just more harmony. We've got enough problems in the world. If you look at on the news, we don't need it in the quilty world, no. right? We don't. No. It's supposed to be, like uh-huh. you said, a therapeutic space. It's supposed to be a space where we can make something with our hands and contribute to the beauty of, of the uh-huh. world and, and what's here. And, and yeah, I just, I am a big supporter of people making what makes them happy and brings them joy. And and, you know, for the sake of social media, if it's draining you, don't do it, you know, for the sake of a business, if it's draining you, find a different way to do the thing mm-hmm. or do something different. And I think that openness is really where as humans, we can falter because we do give in to our fears. And I think yeah. a lot of the judgmental and the, you know, controlling kind of behaviors that come about in groups and organizations, it's it's fear. It's fear based. It's fear based. It and is fear based. Yeah. So unless you're willing to address your own fears and understand where they're coming mm-hmm. from and why it, they come up the way that they do, like those kinds of things are going to just continue. And so I think um, addressing people's mental health is where a lot of that has to, you know, is going to change if, but people have to be again, open and willing to face themselves. And that's hard. It is. And, you know, I have found in, in, um, 
I do a lot of professional development too with leaders and CEOs and and mm-hmm. and uh, boards of directors. And I have found over the years, and it applies in the quilty world, there are two things that are needed to be able to do what you just said. One is self-awareness. We have to be self-aware, which means slowing down and being still sometimes to pay attention to why do I do this? Where is this feeling coming from? Where is this behavior coming from in myself? Mm-hmm. I can tell you a lot of times because I used to be a social worker and my my degree, my background is in psychology. Okay. A lot of it comes from childhood. Yep. There are childhood issues, whether good, bad, abuse, trauma, all of that. It usually circles back to that and it's unresolved. There's unresolved trauma or issues. But the other thing that's needed is a quality mm-hmm. that if we don't have we won't change. And that's humility. Mm-hmm. If we have humility, then we can make adjustments and changes where we might see that we need to do that. If we have a problem with a competitive spirit or being judgmental or uh, discriminatory or mm-hmm. whatever it is, yeah. then we can kind of realize, you know what, where's this coming from? Kind of yeah. dig down with that, whether it therapies involved or you're you read self-help books or you Mm -hmm. talk through it with a good friend Mm -hmm. and um, then the humbleness helps us to adjust accordingly right and make those changes yeah and that piece is so big and I think there's a weird push out there for being almost cocky about your insecurities or cocky about your you know, your behavioral issues. And it's kind of like, ha ha, this is so funny that I do this. It's like, but it's not. <laughs> and, and I think maybe I just, well, the question is, does it cause harm to someone yeah. else? And does it cause harm to you? Right. And I those think would be some- the questions to ask ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And I think sometimes that self-awareness, that lack of self-awareness doesn't allow or like, that's what causes people to not be, be able to see how their behavior is harming others or even harming themselves. Cause they can't see it. And, and the, you know, again, that openness, that, that mm. piece of, and humility is, is openness too, because you have to be open to like your side of the street is your side of the street clean. Probably not. And so look at what you need to do to pick up the pieces and, and own own your behavior, own your choices. And if you're honest with people and they don't handle it well, or they don't want to deal with you anymore, like you have to just be okay with that. But I think the unapologetic of like, well, this is just the way I am is how we've ended up where we're at. And it can't continue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) clearly. Well, and here's the thing, you know, I, I, I subscribe a lot to, I'm, I'm trained in, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Brene Brown, but she has something. Yeah. Amazing evidence-based, evidence-based research. And so I'm trained in her dare to lead curriculum. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that Brene talks about is vulnerability, Mm -hmm. um, but also boundaries. So, you know, if we give the most generous interpretation to what someone does or says, so oftentimes if someone is what I think is out of line Mm -hmm. or, hateful or you've got bullies or you've got people that are, you know, not nice on your Instagram posts and all of that or whatever. I asked myself, I wonder what happened to them Mm -hmm. that's causing them to act this way, right? Mm -hmm. There's always a reason why we may not know. Maybe they're just having a bad day. And then sometimes with people, 
and they, I know your listeners can't see this. Some yeah. people we get to love from here, yep. right? Yep. Some people we love from here. And then some people we have to love out here, yeah. right? Because there, there has to be a level of boundaries on yeah. abusive behavior that we will tolerate and what we will not tolerate. And yeah. only each of us can know where those limits are. Yeah. And I do love, um, yes, I love Brene Brown. She's like, what brought me out of my self-sabotaging behaviors oh, good. when I was good. 30, I found her and good. It changed my life. And so amazing, um, amazing yeah. research. Yeah. Yeah. She's wonderful. And so, and I also, um, follow, uh, Dr. Nicole LaPera. She's on socials as the holistic psychologist and, uh-huh. um, I, the thing with boundaries there, I was like, I almost lost my train of thought for a second, but Mm -hmm. the thing with boundaries is I think a lot of times it's put out there as a way to push people away and that don't accept our own behavior. But what Dr. Nicole said recently in a post was, and she, I just love the way she worded it, but boundaries are not about other people's behavior. It's about your own behavior and what you will and won't accept. That is right. Are how you want to behave. So if you're setting a boundary and someone's not following it, it is up to you Mm -hmm. to walk away from it or to try to enforce that boundary with words or to make a decision. Can I have this person in my life? Mm -hmm. Period. And I think, you know, with your, your demonstration of like, they're either in your face, they're at a little bit of a space away because you need a little more space from them Mm -hmm. or they're real far away because you have to love them at a distance. Right. And, and still be kind, right? We still, we still have to be kind and in a role model, but we can still set those boundaries. I mean, I'll give you an example of one. I have a no, no tolerance bullying policy for my social media. Mm-hmm. So if anyone ever posts on any of my social media platform, anything hateful, yeah. I actually do not waste my energy replying. I delete it and move on. Yeah. It's just, it's one and done. If, if mm-hmm. you're hateful and a bully, I just, I'm not, I'm not going to allow it, but I don't give myself a lot of, I don't give myself time and energy to reply and get into this huge argument or whatever if it's right. it's just blatantly hateful and that's that's a boundary that I have and yeah. I'm not going to change it yeah yeah and I think I think that's there's a difference you know and and you have to decide it for yourself too and I think you it can apply for anywhere you're at but you have to decide like like you decided there's no tolerance I'm not even going to entertain it I'm not going to think about it if it looks gross I'm getting rid of it and yeah and i I think that's great because I think the more energy we give to bullies, or if we keep feeling like we have to give them an explanation, Uh don't waste your time. They're not here to hear your explanation. They're here because they're hurting in some way and they're looking for a way to express that, but they don't know how in a loving or safe manner. And so, well, and here's the thing, hurt people, hurt people. Yep. And so if we remember this person is probably hurting, Mm -hmm. I can't be their therapist and help them through that. So I'm going to have to set this boundary and just be able to just move, move on that. This is a hurt person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it can be tricky too, the boundary thing in the sense that like, if we want to be helpful, like, you know, and I think that kind of religious 
upbringing kind of teaches you like you need to be. And of course, this is my personal interpretation. So don't come at me people. But (laughs) I just from my perspective felt like you were expected to be a doormat for other people while trying to like put a stamp of like, I'm doing this because I am being loving, but, and, and being taught that like self-love and setting boundaries and, you know, doing things for yourself was selfish and awful. And that's the wrong Mm -hmm. way to go about life. And so un like, unlearning all of that has been such a challenge Mm, because we, I think we can easily convince ourselves that we're, we're letting people walk all over us because we love them or we're letting, Mm -hmm. you know, an organization take advantages of advantage of us because we're just, I'm here to help. I'm a team player. It's like, yeah, but what team are you on that? You're the scapegoat for everything. What team do you want to be on a team that uses you and then leaves you in the dust? And, you Mm -hmm. know, it's the same for guilds. It's like, they expect all these volunteers, but then, you know, what do those volunteers get, but overworked and nothing from it, you know, it's kind of like, and then guilds complain like, well, we never, people don't show up. We have so many open spots. And it's like, cause then you've got members doing email blasts to people telling them, trying to belittle them and, and guilt them into helping. And so people walk away. You've got people who, you know, are walking around shaming everybody or yelling at people or, you know, resistant to change. So they don't like the way things are going for this event this time and Mm -hmm. causing problems for other people. It's like, when that's all people are seeing, of course, they're not going to want to jump in and help. And like, well, and I'll be honest, Amanda, when I, when I go in and work with a guild, as you've described, there are many that fall in that category, unfortunately, or they have in cycles. I go in and do a whole full day training on what's called that psychological safety. And we have Mm -hmm. card conversations about those behaviors. And then you have to look at what are, what's our code of ethics? What, what, what are our values as an organization and and tenants that we're going to live by in an organization? And then as a group, you have to hold one another accountable. If someone starts being toxic, then how is the board address that what's the process what's the written protocols if it's not written Mm -hmm. there is so much confusion as Brene Brown says what's clear is kind and what's unclear is unkind so the more things that are written with processes and, and and not to be controlling these are actually a protection so that everyone knows how we're supposed to function together for a smooth running organization. Right. Yeah. And so um, it's needed it, that, that unity, that you, mm-hmm. that unity is really, really needed that you described so that, well, so it's needed. So what you described doesn't happen as often. Right. Yeah. And so I just am curious, like, because a lot of guilds are held in churches. Um, and so do you see, a difference in like the boards of, of guilds, if they're, whether they're held in a church or not held in a church, or is there any, is it kind of across the board? They have you kind would, of similar issues or similar issues. Okay. Similar. It doesn't, yeah. it, it, it's interesting too, because you would think that, that, you know, uh, some of those 
tenants that are taught in many churches would be practiced, mm -hmm. but we're human. People are human. And if there's unresolved issues that mm -hmm. they have personally, mm -hmm. they're going to come out. Yeah. They're sure. going to come out or, you know, if they're not practicing, you know, what you preach or how you should live your life and treat yeah. others, it's going to happen. So, I mean, mm -hmm. it happens in all the cold profit corporations, guilds, child abuse organizations. I see it across the board. It's mm -hmm. all about the culture that a team creates, that an organization creates and what they allow mm -hmm. and what they role model. So what people see us role model for good or bad, yeah. then they can pick up on that and think, oh, it's tolerated. That's okay. Right. Yeah. So it takes courage to stand up as leaders or, mm -hmm. and when I say a leader, a leader doesn't mean necessarily a title of supervisor, manager, board president. A yeah. leader means someone who influences. So we're all leaders in that sense. Yeah, for sure. So what example are we putting out there with how we lead? And, you know, sometimes we're going to make mistakes. So that also means saying, I'm sorry, you know what? I spoke out of turn or I'm a little hormonal today or whatever it is. I should not have said that. Let me circle back and apologize and make yeah. amends for that. You know, that that's going to happen. That needs to happen too, as imperfect people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right. You know, it has to come from the top down. And if the board or the, you know, the, the titled leadership team isn't practicing those things, or they don't know how to have boundaries for themselves either. And not, they're not holding their people accountable. It can run rampant and, mm. or, you know, bad behavior can run rampant and right. Like an organization is only going to be as good as like the worst behavior that's held accountable. If that makes right. sense. Like <laughs> it does, it makes perfect sense. Okay, good. I was perfect. like, does this sound crazy? But no, I, no. And having experience just working in all different kind of mm -hmm. places and spaces with different teams and groups and how different things run. It's like when it's bad, it's so bad. Well, and I think here's the thing as humans, we forget. Mm -hmm. We don't have to agree with everything people say or their preferences or, mm -hmm. you know, their religion or color of their skin or whatever it is. It, you know, you don't have to agree with the way someone does something, mm -hmm. it's okay to agree to disagree that mm -hmm. that's not for you, whatever it is, you know, that in improv quilting or, um, you know, your political affiliation, um, that, that shouldn't matter. It's like, what do we have in common? Yeah. What do we have in common? We are quilters. We love fabric. We love notions. We love making quilts and giving them to people or donating them or whatever. It's like those other things really, we can agree to disagree. They may not be choices I would make, or I wouldn't belong to, you know, whatever group or organization or, you know, religion or whatever. That's okay. Yeah. But not judging people and faulting them and criticizing and then being hateful about it, you know? Right. Yeah. It's like, we're all creators of our own life experience too. So it's mm -hmm. like, if you keep finding yourself in a situation where the people around you are a certain way, then it's like, well, what are you, what are you doing that keeps ending you up in those situations? It's like yeah. that self-awareness again comes into play where mm -hmm. the more self-aware we all are, the easier it is to find other self-aware people 
mm-hmm. and make connections with people that you have true things in common with and not just like I don't I don't remember what they call it but you know when you're only uniting on your common hatreds like your mm-hmm. the things you hate like you're coming together on things that you love or that you want to support or even mm-hmm. if you don't have all the same things in common but you kind of you know you can feel supported by that person and you can support that person and you don't feel like what they're doing is causing harm mm-hmm. like there's a common ground for that too and so i think like setting your judgment aside and being able to just be with people and not project your own life experience on them is it's a hard task but when you mm-hmm. can that's where like the most beautiful connections are born. It is. And it, it can take a lot of work. I mean, you know, I have to check myself all the time sometimes on things, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. things from our past will kind of creep in and you have to kind of mm-hmm. go back, circle back and, and work on yourself. And, you know, another piece that I talk about a lot, and again, it comes from Brene's research is we all tell ourselves stories. Yep. And 95% of the time, the story is not correct or parts of it are not, right? Mm-hmm. So what story are we telling ourselves about whatever scenario we're in in the quilty world or at the guild or just life yeah. in general? Is this factual? Do I have mm-hmm. all the facts? Is this really what's going on? Because we can't read people's minds. Right. We can make assumptions. Mm-hmm. And those stories get us in trouble. So doing a check-in with, mm-hmm. you know, if we're thinking, you know, if I'm thinking maybe Amanda is upset with me because of A, B, or C, just check in, you know, Amanda, have I said something or, you know, is there something I've done that, you know, it may be my imagination, but I want to check in and make sure that we're okay. And then that's where you get to say, you know what, Belle, I actually am a little upset because, you know, you said this or you, whatever it may be, or you made, you know, I felt this way because of this comment. And then I can circle back and, you know, we can have a conversation about it. But I think it's hard for for people to go to the person Mm -hmm. that you may have the challenge with because of that fear Mm -hmm. of maybe you've had a bad experience in in the past going up to Mm -hmm. someone. But to be able to have those conversations and make peace sure makes things much better for our health and for the communities. Yeah. And it's being willing to hear that maybe you've done something yeah, to hurt someone. Humility, humility again. Yeah. And, and I think the more we can practice that, the easier it gets, but it's still, you know, it's important. And I think it's an important piece of keeping healthy, lasting relationships going, whether it's business Mm -hmm. related or just friendships in general, or your life partner or your kids, like just giving people the benefit of the doubt and approaching them with love. Like I love myself and I don't want to feel this way. So I'm going to ask this person that I care about, you know, this question Mm -hmm. that seems scary and hard, but I need to know the answer. And, you know, the times when I've had to practice that, (laughs) you know, come out on the other side, I'm fine. Everything's fine. You know, good. Yeah. But it's, it's information. It's all just information and more details that you can add to your story that either if you, you know, take the time to do some fact finding and figure it out, then great. You can add to your story and, and tweak it and change your, your life map a little bit so that it's a little clearer. Mm-hmm. Or if you keep hiding in the shadows, you know, it can kind of get 
yeah. dusty, crusty, but anyway, we're all imperfect. We all have stuff to work on, right? Yep. We're yep. Work in progress. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're out there helping guilds and I'm glad you're out there designing beautiful patterns and creating cool notions for people and just oh. sharing your, your love of quilting with the quiltiverse and being a, a voice out there for those of us who really want to see growth and equality and just love more love in the quilting mm -hmm. world. So thank it's you. It's true. Oh, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I, I love people in general and this community, the uh, quilting community overall is a yeah. wonderful place to be, you know, for the most part, I have great experiences and yeah. I love to talk, you know, about these things. So I appreciate you inviting me. And if, you know, people want to get in touch uh, with me, you can find me on my website, which is www.seamssome.com. So that's a play on words. It's seams, S-E-A-M-S. S-E-W-M-E. And I'm very active on Instagram as far as, you know, reels and posts and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So that is at seams underscore so underscore me. And then also YouTube. So I do a lot of tutorials because I'm a visual learner. Mm -hmm. So I have tutorials and then all of my patterns include a visual tutorial link within the pattern. So those mm -hmm. are the ways that you can find me. If people Perfect. want to get in touch. Awesome. Well, I will put links to all those places in the show notes below so people can get to you really easily. And otherwise, thank you again so much for joining me today. And I'm really looking forward to continuing to follow your journey and hearing more of what you have to share with the quilty world. Oh, well, thanks for having me, Amanda. And thanks. I continue to wish you all the best with your podcast and we'll continue to listen. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.